Sarah Fry, welcome to Patent Pod. Assistive technology removes barriers and increases access for students with disabilities. Assistive technology includes a wide range of devices as well as services to support the selection, acquisition, and use of the devices. AT consultants play a crucial role in these services. In alignment with Pennsylvania's dedication to attracting, preparing, and retaining practitioners in education, and particularly in special education, today on Patent Pod, we'll learn more about the field of assistive technology, or AT. My guests today are AT consultants with unique backgrounds, roles, and duties, and it's a pleasure to welcome them today. I have Scott, Amanda, and Shelley joining us. Welcome. Hi, Sarah. So to get us started, in I'd love to hear a little bit about your background. What inspired you to enter the field of AT? So I was actually approached by uh, my boss at a previous job. I actually worked for the state. Uh, <clears throat> and uh, they were creating a new AT position, a second AT position at the Allegheny Intermediate Unit. And they approached me to apply for the job, a job I uh, wasn't qualified for. I kept reminding them. <laughs> I said, well, that's not what I do. Um, you know, why are you asking me to come apply? And he said, well, it's, it's about problem solving and, and being able to uh, relate to people and figure out problems on the fly. You're good at that. You'll figure out the stuff. Um, <laughs> but it, we need people who uh, can think on their feet and problem solve. So I went for the interview, and uh, they offered me the job. And I said, but uh, you shouldn't. Uh, you know, I'm a teacher of the deaf. I don't know any of this stuff. And they said, ah, oh, just come on board. So I took the job and fell in love with it. And um, it was probably about three or four years in where I finally said, oh, now I feel like an AT consultant. I think I got a good handle on it. I've been doing it for uh, 20 some years now. Wow. It's an awesome, awesome yeah. field. Awesome. I had something similar. Um, I was a vision support teacher, TVI, for about six years. And the person who took over, who was AT consulting before me, was retiring. So it just showed up on my caseload one September. Like, oh, what is this? AT responsibilities? And she said, I think you're going to be really good at it. I'm like, no, no, I don't know about that. But I ended up absolutely loving it. And, you know, seven years later, I'm still doing it. And I kind of gotten into full-time assistive technology post the pandemic and going virtual and not so much being a vision teacher as much anymore. Well, I started in special education and I used to go down to the patent lending library that was off Prospect Street. That's how long I've been around. <laughs> and I would borrow all kinds of equipment for my students. And uh, over time, I, we just, if they couldn't make things work in the classroom, you just invent your own things. And so when I was ready to change over and become a consultant, I was like, I would like to get into assistive technology. And so I went and got a degree through Westchester University and started working before I even had my degree, like <laughs> Scott says. You have any kind of a background, but they're like, you're gonna do it. <laughs> well, first off, thanks for plugging our short-term loan program available yeah. through Academy. <laughs> We're happy for that. But I, you know, you've talked about maybe feeling a little unsure of entering the field, which I think maybe some of our audience members will have those similar feelings. 
So to maybe alleviate some of that unknown or uncertainty, could you tell us what your work is like? What, what is it now that you've been in the position for, for, for some of you many years, you've seen and done a lot of things, but what's the work like? What's a day in your shoes like? Um, problem solving. Yeah, a lot of problem solving, working with teams, trying to figure out, you know, creative solutions to, you know, I specific for visual access, you know, how am I going to work with this team to get this student to sit next to their sighted peers and visually access their curriculum so in a mainstream way. Um, and it's really exciting. It's fun. Every day is different. And I get to meet a lot of awesome people and students and work with great families. Yeah, I think that's the best part of it all is like you, there's always a different case. And so you might wake up in the morning and you're like, oh, I had this meeting and I think this is what the team needs. And then after everybody talks, you're like, it's not at all what they needed. So you can <laughs> never be prepared because each child is so de different and it's so student centered that you really have to be able to focus on what their needs are and what out, we have to really know a lot what's out there making sure you're matching the needs to that student. Yeah, um, day to day, very different. I, I came from a background as a teacher of the deaf and you know had periods and time slots and you kind of <laughs> knew <laughs> what your Monday was going to look like and your Tuesday was going to look like. And we have that uh, to some degree in, in this job. I mean, you've got your, your meetings and your presentations and, and uh, IEP teams to consult with. But at the same token, your phone can go off on any given day. Hey, a communication device is down. We don't know what happened to it. Um, I've got calls for, hey, there's the iPads in the toilet now. Uh, what do we do for a communication system? Uh, and there's an urgency because it's how a student's going to communicate with, with everyone around them or access the world around them. So every day that phone can ring, and it does ring. <laughs> uh, you don't know what's coming at you. And at first, it's scary. And you're not sure, how, well, how can I handle that much uncertainty in my life? Mm. But um, once you get that sense and, and develop that feeling, oh, I don't have to know all the answers, and I don't have to know all the tools. I just have to be good at figuring stuff out and breathing and making everybody else comfortable with stuff's going to go wrong, but we're going to get through it together. Um, <clears throat> it makes every day in AT exciting and fun and and uh, the, the reason I get up in the morning and do this stuff for 21 years. So. Mm -hmm. It's not really work. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of play. It's a lot yeah. of play. Yeah. It is. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love it that you just said that you don't have to be, you don't have to know everything about every tool or that everything won't go as planned. Shelly, you kind of mentioned that too, right? Like yeah. sometimes you might have an idea and you have to go back to the drawing board. Or even what the team thinks. A lot of times they kind of come into a meeting and they think that they're going to get something. And then you end up talking like, no, I think that when we're really talking about it, they're not able to access it this way or this way. And so really looking at, you want those kids to be able to participate to their full ability. And you don't want them to rely on adults. Like you want to foster that independence. And so really looking outside the box sometimes. I like you said about that. I had someone call me one day and said, um, hey, we have a new iPad, we just got this, and the kid keeps throwing it. Okay, so what kind of cover do you have? You know, is it triggered by behaviors? And that's a good thing to have a little bit in your bucket. And 
So, you know, it's not always as simple as, well, we're just going to cement it down someplace. It's looking at a lot of varieties. Maybe we need to call in some other consultants. So that's another thing I always am like, okay, we're doing the autistic support consultant along with the ride. So it's not always by yourself. And it does let you stretch your skill set. Mm -hmm. um, I've gotten those calls about throwing iPads mm -hmm. and it's actually caused me to get into woodwork and build some custom solutions yeah. for kids. So uh, this idea, we always talk about being lifelong learners, but this is one of the jobs mm -hmm. um, in education that you really get to put that into practice every day. There's always a new product coming out. There's always an update that helps things or hurts things, <laughs> <laughs> as the case may be. And you know, what was working yesterday isn't today. So um, it, it, it's, it, it's really a, a great and interesting job in that regard because of the novelty and the, the change that's always occurring. And it keeps you on your toes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. and we have each other, which is really great. Like we have networking teams that we work with each other because gosh, you know, sometimes we don't know or someone's like, hey, someone requested this, what is it? And so we're we able to collaborate with each other a lot too, so. I mean, your enthusiasm for yeah. your job is just obvious. I'm wondering if there, um, in recent years, if there's been kind of an aha moment or something that's just really stuck with you where you felt, oh, this is why I matter, this is why this job matters. Um, like a little uplifting story that you could share with our audience. Oh my gosh, there's so many. There's so many. <laughs> <laughs> you pinpoint one? Um, I had a student uh, who was diagnosed with CVI in kindergarten, and we put an iPad in his hands with adapted curriculum, and it just changed his life. He was able to sit with his sighted peers and be able to sit throughout his entire kindergarten class without an issue. And I remember the mom coming up and saying, if it wasn't for that and implementing that the right way and, you know, the way that we did, I don't think he would be sitting here right now with these students. So just that little simple tool of an iPad and what you can do with it just really will, would change a, a kid's life. I think one of the stories popping up in my brain, and it gets to this idea of how the tools have changed too, but 20 years ago, so I started 21 years ago. Like I said, I was figuring out the job and <laughs> what it meant when I first started. But the first case that I got where I was alone, um, yeah, not with my mentor, and uh, wasn't sure what to do. It was a student who was injured on the football field. He got uh, tackled in 10th grade uh, and sustained a spinal cord injury that paralyzed him completely. He was in rehab hospital mm -hmm. for about a year and a half before I was called in to meet him and found out this boy wanted to be a journalist. His entire life, he, he wanted to be a writer, and now he was in a body that didn't allow him to do what he was prepared for his entire life. And they said, all right, Mr. Doherty, how are we gonna do this? Yeah. I had no clue, but uh, figured it out. And at that time, you know, uh, voice technology, speech recognition technology is a whole different animal. Um, but we, we got microphones, we got software, we did this intensive microphone training with them. Um, to access his books. Uh, back then we had physical machines you loaded the books into to turn the page uh, for him and figured all this stuff out. Um, so that, that case made an impact on me because it was the first one that was like so, uh, I have no clue what to do. And uh, oh my gosh, these folks are looking for an answer. Will I have it? And we, we figured things out. But it's also been nice to reflect on now because 20 years later, a lot of those technologies are on the devices mm -hmm. 
All of us uh, are carrying not, around. Yeah. It's ubiquitous. It works well. It's not foreign. And, I mean, people were scared when we bring mm -hmm. some of these things in the yeah. way they looked. But now it, it's becoming more part of the education landscape and more part of what we see and want to do in our homes and how we interact. So it, AT is really integrating into life a lot more. And I think approachable to people more uh, in 2022, so. Yeah. I have to say my favorite case probably was the first student I ever really worked with assistive technology. I was working in an MDS classroom in um, an elementary school, and I could tell from the very moment I met this kid that he was very special. And uh, he would get very upset because he could not talk. He had cerebral palsy. And he would try to tell everybody his answers, but no one could really understand what he was saying. But the one thing that I, he would say is all the time, I'm not dumb. I'm not dumb. And um, every day he'd come in and his father traveled. His father was in um, the field of um, computer engineering. And so he'd come in and say, Kanishiwa. His dad just got back from Japan, was teaching him some words. And I was just like, this kid has so much inside of him. I got to figure this out. And the only thing I could think of at the time was a P-touch and letting that be his thing. That was the only thing he could actually touch with big buttons. And so he was able to start telling me things that no one knew he had. And we eventually got out of special education altogether. He went to college. He was in my son's um, AP classes. And I think that that was like the, my biggest inspiration. Like there's people who have bodies that are very complex. And if we can't tell what they know inside, then we're doing such a disservice. Yeah. And so that's what that might be my favorite story to tell people. Wow, that is remarkable. Just the idea that all of us are individuals. We are all, each of us have a whole body, but it may be complex and it may work differently. And to have a, a system of support um, with the AT consultant and the teams that you build with uh, the IEP teams and the families, that really, truly unlocks the potential that our students have. Wow. So if someone is sitting there watching or listening to this episode and they are feeling like I am, where they may want to start looking, looking down the lines of AT, what kinds of advice or tips or suggestions would you give someone who might be interested in learning more about the field and possibly pursuing a career as an AT consultant? okay to say I don't know and mm. to not have an answer but network and find your people find your people and, and go to them and ask them because they'll probably know and if they don't know then they know who to ask so and then they'll get back to you yeah. so just you know stay calm and it's okay that, yeah. that you don't know all of the answers and there's so many more college programs I remember when I first came in there was like only a couple in the state and now there's more and more universities that are you know um, have programs designed just for assistive technology. So take some classes and find out if that's what you like. But yeah, you have to always be willing to keep learning. That's yeah. the biggest yeah. thing. Like you get a degree, but that didn't mean anything now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> we're just always like thinking, okay, you know, no matter what we're doing, we did the STEM stuff and we were like, okay, so how do we make that more accessible? And you just have to think outside the box and be willing to do a lot of little research. And you're right, there are a lot more program opportunities now for formal training. I went through CSUN, um, <laughs> the Northridge program was a 100-hour uh, course at that point. But <clears throat> looking back on my career now, I think 
the most important thing for somebody new mm -hmm. thinking about AT is just remember what you know about good teaching and communication, mm -hmm. because really that's at the heart of what we do. Um, and I find, you know, very often we're called in to help specific kids and specific tasks, but we find we end up having conversations with teachers that help them improve communication for the whole class or a writing or reading support for the entire class. And it's really just about good teaching. And most people uh, come in with that skill set. Um, and again, the stuff you can pick up and the <laughs> intricacies of how things work, you can figure out. And, and we've got a great uh, statewide uh, group of AT uh, consultants and we meet regularly. So uh, you do have that support. But if you know communication, you know kids, you know teaching, uh, that, that's the most important part of the job and the one you're going to depend on the most and use the most. Mm -hmm. It has been truly an honor to talk to you all and I think we could have hour-long conversations on Patent Pod just about all the stories that you have to share and the ways that you are still upskilling and building to your knowledge base to support the, the students um, that you're that you're requested for. Um, thank you, each of you, so much for, for participating today and sharing your knowledge. We hope that uh, others will find this interesting. And if you are uh, looking for more information about the Attract, Prepare, Retain uh, initiative, you can check out the link to the repository in the show notes. Uh, I'd also like to thank John Ragsdale for producing this episode today and hope that while you're watching or listening this episode, it might inspire you to check out other Patent Pod episodes.